Hi there, and welcome back to another episode of the All Around Growth Podcast. My name is Rob Kaiser, and I am your host. Today is Thursday, October 6th, 2022. This is episode number 437 of a show where we co-create life together, where you join me with my family on our small farm and homestead as we grow all around, and a show where we talk about the five W's and how as we grow the family businesses here at York Meadow Farm. Now, like I said, today is October 6th, and it is my parents' 49th wedding anniversary. And on this day in 1973, Robert J. Kaiser Jr. and Denise Kaiser were married. Now today, the three of us all live together here on our growing homestead at York Meadow Farm. And in today's show, we are going to revisit an interview that I first did with my parents back in July. And you can actually hear the original uh, uncut version back in episode 377 titled The Founders of York Meadow Farm. That was a good episode and I got some feedback on this episode. And I am pleased to report that Nick Piconi jumped in to help me out and I was able to meet Nick and his family on Labor Day for a cookout they invited me to uh, after the farmer's market. Now I was kind of late and I missed a lot of the people that were there earlier, but I was able to meet them and see everything that we're doing, um, that they were doing rather. And it was, you know, it's, it's kind of awesome. They're in this rental house up in the Cleveland area. They've got this little backyard and they're doing container gardening in the, in the, in the coolest way possible so that they can take all of the soil that they're building with them when they move into their next place. And everything that they're doing makes sense for the context in which they're doing it. And it was really awesome to connect with someone out there that not only listens to this show, but also consumes a lot of the content that we are all interested in, meaning that, you know, he and his family are of like mind. And it's just, it's really nice to be able to have the opportunity to connect with someone in real life. So, you know, I'll go ahead and link to his website and his Facebook page in the show notes. So if you would go check him out, be sure to show him some love there. And um, I sure do appreciate all of the work that he did to remaster this episode. It was great getting to know him and, and man, I sure do appreciate the help with the work that you did. So thanks, Nikki. Um, now, even with that said, in the volume adjustments and the, in the, in the remastering that he made, you'll have to forgive some of the audio quality on my end during this interview because my phone service was cutting in and out. Yeah, you heard that right. Now, even though I live here with my parents, and I do this podcast in this way, I, I wasn't entirely sure how to figure out how to best do the interview with them. So what you're about to hear is a recorded phone call between the three of us 
all sitting in different rooms of the house with the dog barking in the background, <laughs> right? Um, now, because I'm actually in my office in the barn, it's kind of like a small Faraday cage in here at times and the reception cuts in and out. So please keep that in mind and just bear with all that during the interview. Uh, to make it a little easier to listen to, I've removed the beginning and the ending small talk with my parents to focus on the core of the interview. And what we are going to cover today is the history of the farm and homestead, including when they first purchased the property, when they sold their home and finally moved into a rental property in the same town where this property is located, because when they first bought it, there was nothing here. They're going to talk about the challenges of maintaining a property when you don't live there, specifically the management of berry bushes, fruit trees, and uh, livestock like ducks. Uh, what is needed to provide a quick return at the farmer's market when you're just starting out, like produce with a quick turnaround time and things that you can make at home, quick things like biscottis and you know taking coffee for donations. Um, they'll also talk about learning to make items in the winter season for sale in the spring before produce is ready. We'll talk about the challenges of failure and inexperience the willingness to adapt and change to fill voids at the farmer's market, the challenges of taking on too much too fast and how this led to the current setup with our tenant farmer. We're talking about embracing concepts of permaculture and self-sufficiency. And then we also talk about health problems, specifically gastrointestinal problems and how that relates to fermented foods. And ultimately how we settled into what we're doing now with fermented foods and bath and body products, all that ties together. And then we kind of conclude the conversation with some dialogue about all the potential here and the vision for the future. Now there are several key points in this episode, several key takeaways, if you will. And some of the key things to keep in mind are that you can't do it all and you can't do it well. Raising and growing vegetables is a huge time input with tremendous variables in profitability. A willingness to adapt and embrace change is critical to success and we are constantly evolving and stagnation is death. Now, as you may or may not know out there, we are in the long-term process. We've just begun the long-term process of rebuilding our website. And part of this process includes refining the content that is already on our website. And one of the objectives with this interview originally was to review the founders page of the website, which I'll go ahead and link to in the show notes. There's really not much there. It hasn't been updated too much. But um, one of the other objectives besides just reviewing the information on the founders page was to continue the process of documenting everything that is taking place here you know, for various reasons, all sorts of reasons. Now, the conversation we had during the interview itself evolved and changed, and I am pleased to share the cleaned up version with you today as we celebrate 
the 49th anniversary of Robert Jr. and Denise Kaiser. So without further ado, let's jump into the interview and learn when the property was first purchased. Robert J. Kaiser and Denise Kaiser purchased the land where York Meadow Farm is located in Medina, Ohio in 2005. Is that, is that correct? You guys December. December in 2005. Yep. What, uh, what prompted you to buy this property? Uh, we literally, uh, mom can speak to it, uh, as well. When we, we were looking for a place and at that time, Kathleen, um, had, uh, had her horse and we were anticipating, um, constructing something to, uh, to board the horse. So we, we needed a couple of, uh, a couple of acres and, um, we hadn't really thought much more than that. Um, we looked at several properties in the Medina area, maybe even, Lorraine County too, and um, this one, uh, mom found it, and we decided to come take a look at it. And it was a little bit more than what I think mom was looking for initially, but we literally just fell in love with it. We came back to uh, roughly in the vicinity where the corner of the barn is. We were standing there, looking at this area, this clearing in the woods, and thinking golly this is this is beautiful this is absolutely we kind of looked at each other and says yep <laughs> so <laughs> we made an offer and it was accepted and uh we closed on the deal and uh now we uh owned uh, uh 19.64 acres well and to put a little romantic spin on it when you go. when your dad and i were first married uh I had told him that if I could have the house of my dreams, I would have 10 acres completely surrounded by woods with a one-acre pond, and I would put a house right in the middle of it. And when we, the front part of the property, it was about six acres, and when we came into the back, there was this uh, piece of land uh, completely uh, it had been completely cleared of all trees. It was completely surrounded by woods. It had a one-acre pond, and right in the middle was a pavilion, which is now the site of our log cabin. Yep. Sounds like it was meant to meant to be almost. Right. I mean, we just looked at each other and kind of shrugged our shoulders and said, yeah, this, this is, it. is it. And when we went back up to the front uh, of the property with the real estate agent and the um, the current owner, uh, he said, if you're really interested in this property, I'll drop $1,000 right now off the purchase price. So that just kind of sweetened the deal a little bit. Okay. Well, that... Um and if that was December of of 2005, and let's let's fast forward a few years because it it and you guys can expand upon this a little bit, but uh, I just on the site we read at that time in 2005 the land was being conventionally farmed in grain as it had been for decades, and that was when we first got a look at conventional farming. 
And then five years after purchasing the land, you guys assembled the family to plant 100 blueberry bushes in June of 2010. So do you guys want to talk a little bit about what, you know, what happened between, let's just say 2006 and, and 2010, um, you know, those, those four years and what, you know, what transpired and, um, yeah. you guys are in a better position to speak on that than me. To give you, uh, Do you want me little... to talk about that a little bit, Bob? Uh, sure. Go ahead. Okay. So in my work as a nurse at that time, I was working in a weight management research program and we uh, teamed up with a, a program that was called City Fresh. And the purpose was to bring locally grown fresh produce to the inner city, which was considered uh, at that time and still is, unfortunately, um, a food desert. The project I was working on was at the inner city. And um, so we teamed up with, with City Fresh and met a gentleman uh, called Maurice Small, who was one of the um, I guess you'd call it co-founders of City Fresh, and very um, he's very passionate about locally grown fresh produce and being able to provide it to people. So what we did was um, we we worked with um, people in the community. Some were patients, some were not uh, in this community on the east side of Cleveland. And as I got to know Maurice better. He kept saying, I wish we could get more fruit. I wish we could get more fruit. And that is kind of what spurred the um, the planting of those hundred blueberry bushes. And um, I'm not sure, Bob, you'll have to refresh my, my memory, but I believe that we had um, before that told the, the man who was leasing the, the property to grow the conventionally grown, you know, coin, corn, soybeans, winter wheat, that um, we no longer wanted him to farm on it. So we had let the the, the land, uh, which was a, a close to six acres, go fallow for several years. And then we got together with family and friends and uh, decided that we would plant the blueberry bushes. Yeah, and along those lines, too, uh, uh, I also was looking, oh, well, first off, we had, uh, we've always had a garden. Going back to, uh, Rob, when you were born, actually, that was, uh, uh, we had a big, uh, fairly big garden on uh, West Hedgewood uh, for a couple of years in a row, and uh, then uh, uh, we also had a garden at, uh, on Brook Lane. We didn't have a garden... I don't think in Cincinnati when we took that detour down there. No. Um, uh, but uh, we we were thinking, you know, gee whiz, we, what are we going to do with all this, this this land? And I thought, well, we've already garden. Geez, we we may as well have a big garden. And uh, around that time, so we told, and we wanted it to be organic. So in 2008, we told uh, uh, Jason Tomey, that uh, we were going to, uh, he was, you know, we we were not going to um, have him grow on our property anymore. So 
Um, and, and we wanted to, uh, at least for organic certification, you had to have like three years of uh, uh, no pesticides, no herbicides, no uh, artificial fertilizers, that sort of thing. And at that time, we were thinking about organic certification, but and we just knew that that was one of the requirements. So we decided that we would stop him. Uh, uh, from growing, and we would then start to develop a little garden and uh, 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 and, and start growing some things uh, ourselves. And at the same time, I also went down to the uh, uh, the at that time the farmers market in Medina was just getting started, only been operational a year or two. And uh, I talked to a fellow by the name of Dave Civitello, who was uh, part of the Ohio State Extension. Uh, program and uh, one of the things he said interesting was, boy, I, I'd really like to get some more fruit in here, uh, berries. So mom and I were thinking, okay, you know, maybe uh, what we need to do here is have a, uh, a, a fruit and uh, berry uh, uh, production operation. So that's kind of where we were going at the start. Um, mom also was thinking about uh, we had a couple of plots growing some fresh flowers and uh, herbs and the different uh, sorts of things that we were contemplating selling at the uh, at the farmers market and uh, in 2011 I guess it was maybe been a little bit before that but I'm not 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 real clear I, I do know 2011 we said well we're going to now be a vendor at the uh, at the farmers market and um well, the thing is, we didn't have a whole lot to sell <laughs> at that point. The blueberries weren't producing. Uh, at least uh, uh, they were very small plants. They were, I think, I think two or three year old plants when we put them in the ground, and uh, they had yet to uh, to produce anything. Um, and uh, but that was the uh, the intent: uh, fruit and vegetables. Uh, fruit, not so much vegetables, but certainly a uh, fruit and berries. Fruit trees. We were, uh, and over the years, there's actually a little bit of a sad story there. Um, at one point, I think uh, I planted, I don't know, somewhere in the neighborhood of eight or ten uh, peach and nectarine trees, and uh, the deer with their antlers just pretty much killed them all. And um, then uh, we planted. Uh, oh, then we killed up some more beds uh, behind where the current asparagus is. The asparagus, I think we put that in in 2010 as well. And uh, uh, so actually to the south of that, we had uh, oh probably 20 or 30 beds that we tilled up and we planted uh, raspberries, lots of raspberries. And then I don't know if you remember how many there were that we planted, but there was, uh, yeah, there was a lot. It seemed to be like 60 or 70 uh, yeah, I was going to say sixty. Yeah, and uh, and then unfortunately none of those made it. And then we started knowing some different, grow, observing some different behaviors of growing. Um, you know, something would grow real well in one spot, and twenty twenty feet to the east of it, it wouldn't grow. Nothing would grow at all. It was just bizarre. Um, and we were having soil tests done, but the way the soil tests were recommended that we do that is take a chunk of soil from this spot, that spot, that spot, that spot. So you got really a blend. We never really had anything specific to a, a specific part of the uh, 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 of the ground. Anyway, uh, that's kind of how we started uh, uh, 
started down the uh, the path of uh, of uh, participating in the farmers market, what our long term goals were. Does that sound like a pretty good assessment there, Den? Yeah, I would say so. And I think part of the the issue that was the challenge for us is that at the beginning we were not living in Medina; we were living in Bay Village, which was a forty five minute trip. So uh, we were not able to. We were mostly coming up on the weekends. So therein was part of the issue with trying to grow some of the crops, too, was that we couldn't get out here to do on a regular basis to do um, the type of watering that needed to be done. So I think that was that was part of the issue. Once we, we finally sold our house in Bay and moved into Medina, then we were, even though we weren't physically living here on the property, we were only maybe 10 or 15 minutes away. And uh, and that's when things started to improve, and we were working on our market garden. Uh, and of course, because the soil was had been con- conventionally farmed for so many years, the soil was really pretty depleted in a lot of nutrients. And so we we picked one spot to create a market garden, and worked very hard. Um, you know, to make amendments to that soil to, to get it to the point now it's beautiful. <laughs> it is very, very beautiful soil right now. Um, but, um, of course, over the, the, the course of time, um, you know, what we did kind of morphed into other projects. And, and so we are no longer growing vegetables ourselves at this time, but we are leasing it to a tenant farmer who is um, growing some, some absolutely beautiful organic crops there. Yeah, and so well, can I can I interrupt real quick before we go into tenant farmer and get ahead? Because this is actually something that I haven't. Well, we have stuff in there elsewhere in the website about this, so maybe it's not really appropriate for the founder section. But um, you mentioned that you would one of the challenges initially was living in Bay while trying to manage this property here and uh for the first few years that is and 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 what year did you sell the house in bay and or how many years was it only one actually we sold the house in in about september of 2006 okay okay so it was Um, about that time we moved uh, down here to medina okay and um and then and I, i'm i'm thinking of some other things about when i moved back from north carolina but i don't want to i don't want to override the this the story with you and mom about coming back here but um what i had written was five years after purchasing the land bob kaiser assembled the family to plant approximately 100 blueberry bushes in june 2010 and we talked about that, or you guys talked about that with the addition of the initial intent being fruit trees and veggies. And and then in the following season, you, know, you mentioned that you made the first appearance of the Medina Farmer's Market located in the Medina Public Square Historic mm-hmm. District in downtown Medina. And that's about where it ends in terms of the history of the founders. I I. I I then wrote, we enjoyed building and developing new skills as former suburb as a former suburban family learning to build 
our own small acre regenerative farm and homestead businesses from scratch. I guess it ends there because when when we first did the site, you know, that was probably um, five or six years ago, and that's why we're, or maybe four or five years ago or whenever, and that's why we're kind of looking and talking about these updates. So um, since, with that said, is there, what what else would you guys like to include in this for people to learn about and read about when they visit the website? Because um, right now we're we're kind of at that um, at that at that point where we you know got got into the market and you you had just started and and uh, what what do you want to talk about or what what would you like to include from the years? 2012, 2013, on into the current day? Uh, mm, well, that's I, kind of a lot, but... <laughs> well, yeah, there was a, really a lot. I mean, we were growing things, and every year we were uh, looking at what other vendors were selling and uh, uh, what uh, gaps we could identify and um, things that we uh, could grow and... Uh, uh, and and we we grew a lot of different uh, a lot of different things. Um, what actually happened though, as time went on, and bear in mind, Mom and I were both working full time. Um, yeah, literally, we were both working full time, and up until about 2016. When I backed off of a, a full-time job and just concentrated on teaching, and at that point, I was going to start focusing more on uh, on the growing of things. Well, uh, then, well, we we decided to start building the uh, the house in 2016, and lo and behold, uh, by September of 2017, the barn and the house had been completed, and we had uh, and we had moved in. Um, so we didn't have a whole lot of uh, growing opportunity. Uh, during during those two years, um, and at some point, uh, Ken Rowe, uh, and I'm, I don't recall how he got in touch with us or how we got in touch with him, but uh, uh, what we were doing is he wanted to grow stuff on our property, and we decided that we would uh, buy the produce from him. Actually, we would sell the produce for him um, at the uh, at the market. Um, and then, uh, then Cody came along, and uh, it, it just sort of evolved uh, to the point. Oh, and not the least of which was the recognition that uh, in in 2016 I turned 70 years old, uh, and I'm 76 today. So, what what I also know is ha- what was happening is is that is that uh, Mom and I were just getting to the point where we could not produce the work that we used to. And uh, it just generally a recognition that uh, maybe the time had passed to where we were going to be active growers ourselves, uh, but certainly we wanted to have our our you know land be uh, be productive, and uh, that's where uh, Ken came in, and then shortly uh, thereafter Cody uh, joined him as uh, as well. Um, and I, I also think that one of the things that um, that we we kept thinking about was. I mean, we were still very much early learners when it came to 
the process of growing vegetables. And a lot of times we weren't getting things into the ground until May. You know, we really hadn't uh, invested um, in in having a, a high tunnel or any of those kind of things so that we could extend our growing season. We were still relatively considered newbies, I guess, uh, in all of this. So I kept thinking, what else could we do or could I do? Something could I that I could do during the winter time that I could make in the winter and it would still be good for selling in the early part of the farmer's market season before the, the produce was you know, ready to harvest. So that's where I started uh, looking at soaps and uh, and starting to develop a line of soaps because I could make them in the wintertime. They would have plenty of time to cure, and I would have those to sell in the early weeks of the market. Was this also the, the, the time that you started making soaps and Bath & Body products correspond with the time frame that Dad was making breads? Sourdough? Uh, yeah. Yes. You want, to, you want to talk about that a little bit, Dad? Um, it, it, yeah. The, that that first year we were at the market, we we didn't have a whole lot of produce. Not much. And this so was like, this, what, just, just as a reminder, this was like 2011, 2012, somewhere yep. around there. Okay. Yeah, 2011, 20, uh, 2012. And so uh, what I, uh, we had some ideas that, that first year, mom was making uh, uh, biscottis, and we were uh, giving away that first year. We were we were basically giving away coffee, taking donations for it, and uh, uh, selling uh, biscotti. And I was also, uh, I was, I, my idea was that each week I would produce a different variety of bread, and because uh, our even our sign said this week's bread, and uh, we eventually just settled on the sourdough and the Italian uh, bread, the baguettes and so forth. Oh, that's right. And uh, uh, so then the second year, I stayed with the uh, the bread, and uh, that's when mom started, uh, you know, uh, introducing um, her her soaps. And uh, the the whole idea of of, uh, self-sufficiency was really, I think, possibly had its roots back then um uh, as we started uh, it kept going going forward and of course each year we would have more and more produce so 2014 2015 um and we had more and more produce to uh, uh to sell but we were still doing the bread and we were still doing the uh we were still doing the soaps and um uh, I, I think one important aspect of this whole thing is that uh, uh, is that uh, we enjoyed it. We we really I- enjoyed the market experience, going to the market on a Saturday morning, setting our stuff up, interacting with the customers, um, and taking great pride that people were buying these things that we made. We made with our hands, our own two hands. And or four hands, I guess, and uh, uh, that brought me great joy. And uh, interacting with the uh, with the customers, we, we we found we really liked it. And uh, and guess, educating the customers, yeah, that too. Oh yeah. 
Okay. So, <clears throat> so 2014, 2015 comes along and we're bringing more produce to market and, and, um, and really enjoying, enjoying things. And then in, in things, things, things at the market kind of stayed, stayed that way for 2016 and 17, the, the, the continued evolution of the bath and body products and the, the, the breads and the, and the, you know, kind of dialing in some of the products that were being made. Um, but then by the time 2019 rolled around, that was the, um, that was the, that was the, would well, you guys want to talk about what happened with the market transition or, or the transition from the market to the VFW market and the, and, 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 and all of that, or is that even worth, um, you think that's worth getting into right now in terms of the his, historical aspect of the, I mean, maybe we could talk about it, but maybe it's not worth in, including on the website, but for those who are listening and those who are interested in the, in the story of the farm, maybe that might be some interesting context to, to hear about just from how we went from the Medina farmers market where we began and where we are now and how we went to the other market and how we ended up back there. Well, I, 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 I was just going to say, I think that um, trying to remember exactly when Cody started, because I think that, that was really, I think, um, kind of a pivotal point because let me when let me jump he, in and let me jump in real quick with with Cody. So there was some confusion about how Ken ended up here in the first place. Ken ended Ken got here in the first place because after the high tunnel was built in 2015, I was working with you guys for 2015, 2014, 15, 16. And then, because I believe I made a number of bad decisions in doing things that I shouldn't have been doing and extending myself beyond my means, I went through burnout 2.0 and went back to my career and stopped right. working with you guys, basically. And uh, and for for almost a full season, the high tunnel. And the surrounding garden areas went <laughs> went fallow, for lack of a better term. I had cover crops in there and did rotating buckwheat crops and some other stuff around the tunnel itself. But I placed an ad for someone to to use it because it That's broke my right. heart seeing it <clears throat> go vacant because I was having this mental crisis, having a, a, a breakdown basically, and uh, and Ken took advantage of that. For a couple of years, and then um, when when Cody's parents moved, and he needed a place mm -hmm. because right. he didn't have his he didn't he lost all his bed space when his parents moved. That's when you guys were having communication about that and invited him over, and right. he started working right. with Ken. So that's that's how that all kind of uh, yeah uh, okay occurred yeah in a time I, frame. I, I remember that now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we, you know, I think when um, 
and it wasn't just you deciding not to work on the farm anymore. Um, that kind of, I think, coincided with the time that Dad and I were like, you know, we're still working full time, and we're getting older, and the the amount of physical hours required to do what we had been doing before, you know, we were just working slower. And, um, and we kind of sat back and I guess, I don't know if you want to call it that we had a little bit of a burnout ourselves, um, that we kind of decided that, you know, maybe we'd better rethink, you know, there are still other things that we can do to bring good products to the market that may not necessarily require us to input as many physical hours as we had been. So, um, you know, we kind of, I think at that point, started kind of phasing ourselves out. Um, right. And then, then, of course, you know, I had, when I got ill, um, which is probably, what, six years ago now, Bob? Um, yeah, let me jump, let me jump in at this point. Because I th- that's a crucial transition period when and and there's the separate kind of a separate plot line in this whole story is the COVID-19 stuff, uh, which in uh, 2020, pretty much uh, due to all the uncertainty and and what went on with regards to Main Street Medina and so forth and the, the vendors uh, forming the market at the VFW. What we were doing at the time, Mom and I were still growing a couple of things that we grew really well and did very well in our in our soil. One was the uh, the, the market more cucumbers. One was the provider green beans. Uh, one uh, and we were, we had a very popular item with the uh, with the mom was growing like four or five different kinds of little cherry tomatoes, little yellow ones and orange ones and red ones and uh, pear shaped ones and so forth, and putting them in these little pint assortments in these baskets that they sold like crazy. So we were still doing some things, but at the same time, that was the year that we started to also uh, sell sell of Cody stuff. Uh, yeah, kale, carrots, uh, and by this time the asparaguses were 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 producing, so we were we were selling that for at least that limited window when asparagus was uh, uh, was was uh, was growing, like May and June, and um, uh, and then that uh, I guess it was in that first year, yeah, halfway through 2020 market season. Um, I just decided that I, I I could not do bread anymore. Um, it was it was just getting too darn difficult for the amount of work uh, that we had to put in. I enjoyed making the bread. I and people loved it, and uh, and I loved the fact that people loved it. And uh, so I, I reluctantly uh, 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 stopped baking bread in the middle of the the market season in in 2020. Um. Then 2021, we pretty much, oh, and then also during that time period, the market manager, a lady by the name of Nancy Romans, um, she was saying, you know what, we need somebody to to uh, uh, to do uh, 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 pickles. And uh, so I says, I can do pickles. In fact, I had some pickles that I had made, and 
she Nancy came over here and uh, uh, had some of the pickles, and she said, uh, "Okay, you're you're going to be the pickle vendor." So okay, we started to making just making pickles, um, fermented uh, pickles, uh, sours, and. Uh, uh, but that was that was before twenty one, because right, you have been doing some ferments. When I got sick, and that's what and, really kicked the ferments into high gear. And I remember Robin Swoboda. You might remember she gave me the this huge amount of jalapeno peppers, which uh, mm-hmm. I, I decided to try to ferment and uh, uh, have a fermented hot sauce. And it was more of a, an, a, a, a gee, can I do this kind of thing? And then Mom's uh, dietary, or rather, I should say the. Her, 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 the antibiotic she was taking was playing havoc with her digestive system. So uh, uh, that's when I thought, okay, well, let's try to make some sauerkraut. Let's try to do other fermented things, fermented foods. And, and what then, year was that with mom's, uh, all that gastrointestinal stuff? That, What's that? Boy, that's, I think that's been maybe six years ago now. That's why I'm saying that was before, way before the the whole COVID thing. Um, I'm going to say that was probably like 2017, 16. Yeah. Um, when I went through that, so you know, Dad had been making some pickles before that, um, and uh, but that really kicked up the whole you know, making the sauerkraut and so forth because the GI doctor and dad had been making kefir and dad had been making, um, we both had been making yogurt from the time that you guys were, were little. And, um, so we had kefir and the kombucha and those kind of things. And uh, the GI doctor I was seeing at the time said, you need to eat all kinds of ferments, everything. Drink the drink the kombucha, eat the kefir, you know, eat the pickles, eat the eat sauerkraut, and so that is kind of what spurred things, you know, even more ferments to get um, to get things started, so that my gut would heal. So I was just doing a bunch of research on fermented stuff, and uh, and it kind of grew into what we have, what we're doing now. Okay. Although, although the scale today, with your help, Rob, oh my God, it's just dwarfs what we did in the early days. Yeah, we we're we're growing it. That's 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 for sure. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I guess looking at this and reflecting back on what what we've done and and over the past 10 years cuz we really haven't covered any of that online is is interesting because it's been it's it's almost been a, about that amount of time since I've been home i mean i i i uh, officially moved back or arrived <laughs> arrived home um from my various journeys and late 2013 and um and it's been a it's it kind of seems like yesterday but here we are 2022 um, right yeah i i don't i don't know that's i i will definitely include some of this stuff in 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 
in the founders information on the on the page, some are not all, and I'll I'll review it with you when we yeah when we get to that point of making changes, but but more on that later. Is there is there anything else that you know yeah, kind of uh, come to the conclusion that you want to chime in and and, it, and include that we didn't talk about yet? Yeah, uh, we did, and that had to to do with uh, with uh, uh, your participation too. Uh, you had built the uh, the, the high tunnel. And uh, you were very, very interested in uh, permaculture in those days. And uh, you saw, because of the land we had, you saw an opportunity to see if you could, that if it uh, would be possible to implement some of those uh, practices, regenerative agriculture and so forth, on our property here. Um, and uh, so we've, we've kind of took some stabs at different things, and uh, it's, and I guess you could say that uh, we kind of we're in the formative stages, and today we're kind of st- still in the formative stages of that. Um, uh, so, uh, but uh, but I think there is uh, some definite possibilities of uh, uh, of continuing that development in the uh, in in the future. I think so too. It's, I, and I think the way that I honestly I don't regret <laughs> anything because the way I went about it. Um, in the gonzo way that I did trying to be rock star that I was so starry eyed over and seeing and everyone else taught me that you can't do that. You have to be who you are and do things for reasons that matter to you and your family and that are appropriate for the context of your life. And I'm glad I tried to go well, I'm, I didn't try. I definitely did too much too fast, mm-hmm. and uh, and it didn't last, and uh, and and that contributed to the whole burnout thing. But if I didn't do that, then I'd be on that same track now, and it, and it would have just delayed everything else. So that was probably the best failure that I ever had because uh, it we got it all. We got that stupidity out of the way first. Well, and in well, addition and I to think that, that, I think, and it was a learning. Yeah, to a certain yeah. extent, I think Dad and I went through some of those too with the fruit trees and with the raspberries, and you know, kind of we just dove in, and um, and of course, when you're looking, when you, when you're trying to do your research, you could look at twenty different sites and get twenty different opinions on growing raspberries, and. Yeah. You know, with us being kind of the fledgling people, it was, um, and not not living here at the site and still trying to work full time and trying to do balance all these things. You can't do, um, you just can't do it all and do it all well. And, <laughs> and I think that was the, the thing that you learned. That was the thing that dad and I learned. Uh, over time, and we also learned that, in all honesty, raising and growing vegetables, it's a huge time input with not necessarily a whole lot of profit. And, well, no, and like uh, we've talked about, it's also, it's not, yeah. I think it's less so of a profit thing, but when when people think about farmer's markets, you know, they think, uh, I'm going to be a farmer. I'm going to go to farmer's markets and I'm going to grow produce and I'm going to go to, I'm, that's what I'm going to do. And you guys seem to have taken this 
alternative approach, which I think is worth pointing out because if people are thinking about doing something and changing their life path, um, sure, they could do everything that everyone else is doing and try to do it as good or better than them, knowing that they're coming in with likely a hell of a lot less of experience than the person who's been doing it year after year and has already established themselves. Whereas, you know, from the time you guys went to market, you were looking around, Hey, is anybody doing the Scotty? No. All right. Let's try that. Is anybody doing breads? Well, not very many people. So let's try that. Is anybody doing berries? Not really, because that's what the market manager at the time suggested. Let's try that. You know, (laughs) market man, the new market manager said, Hey, we need somebody to do pickles. Well, I can do that. I'm already doing other ferments. I'll try that. And you guys were always looking to fill some sort of open niche or need. And that was, I think, I think that's been a, a big thing that's been, um, I think that's been something that's important and something that people could take into consideration as they make their own plans, because I think that's been a valuable, and I think it's going to continue to be a valuable component into the success of this, the business that we're all building together. Um, because there's just not a lot of people who are doing the fermented foods the way that we're doing them. There's not a lot of people who are doing the bath and body products the way that we're doing them. So it's, it's it's kind of nice and that also uh, unlike the and mom you alluded to this also unlike a lot of uh certainly with annual produce less so with perennial produce um and and foods but the the shelf stability and the and the perishability of those foods is something that you definitely have to deal with and with products like this that are more shelf stable it's just a little bit easier to manage and operate, especially when you're working on such a small, you know, um, skeleton crew like us, it's just the three of us. Right. So that's important. Exactly. And, and I, and, I think and maybe. To... Gonna... Go ahead there. Um, it, yeah. It, maybe to kind of put a bow on this, uh, to, to some degree, is and Rob, Mom, and I obviously, you know, we were observing what you were doing and reading uh, much of the same material uh, on uh, on permaculture and regenerative agriculture, and then realizing that it it made enormous uh, sense. And uh, uh, so, even though we may not have jumped in with both feet because we had our feet firmly planted in other stuff, <laughs> um, but. Uh, uh, the the idea was there. The seed was planted, so to speak, to use uh, <laughs> that kind of a metaphor. Uh, and um, as we've been thinking too, the whole notion. Uh, and oddly enough, I, I've got to say this too. For years, I was reading, and I think you were too, Rob, um, uh, Backwoods Home Magazine, yeah. and there was something very appealing about self sufficiency. Uh, and, uh, even though I don't subscribe to that anymore, um, uh, the seed was planted there as well. And, uh, I would like to ultimately see us at a position at a point where we were pretty, we would be pretty much self-sustaining here. Um, as long as we've got, uh, Cody and for the, for the, for the time being, I don't see that changing a whole lot. Uh, he's, 
he's uh, uh, he's happy to to work here. He wants to grow food, and you know we we're providing him a place to do it. Uh, and uh, so there <laughs> is is a, a a part you know the fresh fruit and uh, the fresh vegetables uh, part of the uh, uh, part of our our existence. Um, and getting, uh, uh, you know, it, and of course, dealing as we do now, buying all our, uh, uh, everything we buy, literally, or almost everything we buy is, we try to buy as much local stuff as we can when it's in the season. Uh, we're buying, uh, we bought the pork from Krista, we bought beef from uh, Royal Fair, uh, and uh, the Reesers, and uh, uh, I, I, and we had the ducks here, uh, which, uh, 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 were an absolute joy, and I love the duck eggs. Um, and and I see us doing that again. Maybe some chickens and and ducks, or maybe just chickens. Um, uh, at some point, um, maybe adding a, a sheep, maybe adding a, a goat or two, maybe adding a a pig or two, maybe adding a cow or two. I mean, it's 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 it, it has the potential. I don't know what the time frame would is going to be for that, but it's all moving towards this. Uh, and, and and everything that's happened over the past fifteen years, um, even more than that. Let's see. Uh, yeah, fifteen years, sixteen years um, has uh, has has kind of started to dovetail and tie together, and to where uh, Mom and I are kind of embracing this notion. Of uh, of uh, being more uh, uh, to the extent that we can self sufficient and uh, at least and in also interacting with other uh, people here locally to be able to uh, 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 have oh gosh I don't know how to describe it at that point in time um, a self sufficient life things that you did. Um, some years ago, building the high tunnel and all of that, uh, it, the, your, your investigations into uh, the regenerative agriculture, uh, the permaculture, and uh, and so forth, and you shared a lot of that material with us. And uh, it's it's uh, I don't know what the ultimate end is going to be, but it's going to be some combination of all of those things. Would you agree with that, Dan? Yeah, I would. And and I think we're going to continue to morph. We're going to continue to grow. I mean, that's that's what happens. You know, the more you learn, um, the more things that you can input. You know, do I continue with the soap or do I, you know, give up, give that up and, and you know, just go in with you guys? And, and you know, do we just um, continue to grow the fermented business? Those are all things that, that you know, we have to think about. And, you know, I don't anticipate what I'm doing changing much in the next three years because I still have three years to work until I can retire. But, you know, after that, um, you know, I will have a lot more time to be able to devote to whatever it is that um, that we need to do, you know, um, as a family business. And your work, uh, Rob, trying to to uh, get to the point to where we uh, have an active online marketing, uh, I think there's huge potential there too, and that that's uh, very likely the next phase <laughs> of uh, how things are going to uh, to evolve. At least that's how I see it at this point. I think so, especially after doing the little bit of research we 
we did and are seeing how things can operate and how how very similar our processes are to I, I don't know. I, I, I agree. I'm excited for the for the future. It's um it's we've 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 come a long way. Uh you guys have come a long way from from the well from way back when in 2005 and 2006 and since since I moved back we've we've come a long way together and it's even though we've been at it for a long time it sort of feels like it's just the beginning because I in a in a sense it is just the beginning because I this is my job now um I work here uh, yeah <laughs> well yeah, bit, and we're continually a, a weird... evolving which we're continually evolving, which is what we need to do. You know, if, if we can't stay stagnant. If you're not growing, you're Isn't dying, it? right? <laughs> mm, right. Yeah. Well, um, okay. Well, this is, uh, I, I don't know. I guess, I guess I'll just quote, wrap it up and then 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 uh, can can conclude this and just thank you for the opportunity to be here and participate in all of this with you both i i appreciate the the opportunity i'm i'm very grateful for it, it it's uh it's uh i get a lot of joy in in doing the work um with both of you and i get a lot of joy sharing it with people and this is why i wanted to you know, I want to do interviews, but this is the big part of the reason why I wanted to interview you guys first, because in in this show, people know what's going on here with me and where I live and in, in some part, in some capacity, what's going on here. But I'm sure a lot of people follow the farm on social media and things like that. And maybe even a few people subscribe to the newsletter. And um, for those who are are interested in the newsletter I'll, I'll link to all of this in the show notes and with links where you can sign up and learn more about it but uh, uh i lost my train of thought uh, yeah I, I just i look forward to to the future and, and and where we're going and i just wanted to say thanks to to you and and uh thanks to you both mom and dad and thanks to everybody out there that took the time to listen to this interview with the three of us all right, well, I hope you enjoyed that little bit of a rewind back in time, back revisiting that episode from, or the interview rather, from July. And what I would encourage you to do is check out the show notes for links to York Meadow Farm on social media and show my parents some love. There are links to our Facebook page, our Instagram page, our Twitter page, our Telegram channel if you want to follow us there, our page on Float, and our Facebook group. Yes, we have a Facebook group for the farm. It is a small group at, that time, at this time, but it's there and we're growing and some of you guys are already a part of it and I really appreciate it. So. Guys, uh, yeah, I would just encourage you to check out show notes for links to social media on York Meadow Farm. Show my parents some love. Wish them happy anniversary today. And then there's also some links 
to subscribe to the newsletter and links to Nikki P's show. And again, many thanks, Nick, for all of the help with getting this episode to the, well, helping me get to the point where I could re-release this episode with confidence. And uh, with that said, even though the audio quality on this interview wasn't the greatest, I got over the hump of getting an interview done in the first place. Next up in line is Cody. I look forward to interviewing him. And moving forward, I'm going to make a concerted effort to not only perform some interviews on a more regular basis on this show, but put myself out there and try to be interviewed on some other shows. I've already been invited to uh, be a guest on a couple of other shows. I've just been slacking and been procrastinating on filling out the form. So guys, those of you who have actually asked me and invited me to, to do this, I'm going to get on it. I will fill out your forms and I look forward to being on your show. And if you guys want to, you know, participate in, uh, in this and come on this, just let me know. You know how to reach me. Show notes have all the details on how to do so. With that, guys, that wraps up today's episode on the interview with my parents to celebrate their 49th anniversary tomorrow. What do we have in store for tomorrow? We have the two-year, man, the two-year anniversary of the show. So a lot of celebration going on. Tune in tomorrow. I look forward to covering all of that with you then. This is Rob Kaiser, and thank you. I believe